chapter one of on sensation and the sensible in parva naturalia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by geoffrey edwards parva naturalia by aristotle translated by william alexander hammond on sensation and the sensible chapter one now that we have treated of the soul in its essential nature and of the faculties that belong to it part by part our next duty is to investigate the subject of living creatures and everything that has life to determine what functions are specific and what functions are general let us then take what has already been said touching the soul for our basis and as we proceed to the remaining inquiries let what is first by nature be first in our discussion the most important vital phenomena whether one regards the specific or general attributes of animals are those which are the joint concern of soul and body such as sensation memory anger desire and impulse in general and one may add pleasure and pain these are experienced by almost all animals in addition to these however there are other attributes which are common to all animals that share in life and others still that belong only to certain animals the most important of the former class may be enumerated in four pairs viz sleeping and waking youth and old age inspiration and expiration life and death we must study the nature of each of these phenomena and the causes of its occurrence the investigation too of the ultimate principles of health and disease is the province of the naturalist for neither health nor disease can apply to creatures when deprived of life and so it happens as i think that most natural philosophers and those physicians who have a more philosophical understanding of their science conclude in the one case with the investigation of medicine and in the other begin their practice with deductions from the laws of nature and their application to medicine the above-mentioned phenomena are evidently the common property of soul and body for they are all conjoined with sensation or are mediated by it some of them are modifications of sensation or persistent conditions of it others are protective or preservative of sensation while others still are destructive and negative that sensation is mediated by the body to the soul is plain both with and without the use of rational proof however regarding the essential nature of sense perception and the reason why animals are endowed with it we have already stated our views in the treatise on the soul every animal in so far as it is a living creature must have sensation for it is in terms of this that we distinguish between animal and non-animal touch and taste must belong to all animals individually touch for reasons given in the treatise on the soul and taste on account of food for it is by taste that animals discriminate between agreeable and disagreeable in foods and so reject the one and take the other in a word 
flavour is an affection that belongs to the nutritive soul sensations that are excited by external objects such as smell hearing and vision are found in animals capable of locomotion and are given to all of them for the sake of their preservation in order that they may scent their food and pursue it and flee from what is harmful and destructive in the case of animals endowed with intelligence they are given for the sake of higher well-being for these sense-perceptions convey to us various distinctions out of which the knowledge of intellectual and moral concepts is built up amongst the senses vision is the most important both in itself and for the necessities of life on the other hand for the uses of reason and accidentally hearing is the most important the power of vision informs us of many and various distinctions because all bodies are suffused with colour so that by means of this sense more than by any other we perceive the common properties of objects by common properties i mean form magnitude motion number hearing on the other hand informs us merely of distinctions in sound and in some instances of distinctions in articulate voice indirectly however hearing contributes the greatest share to our intellectual life for it is the spoken and heard word that is the source of knowledge and hearing is the source not in itself but accidentally language is composed of words and every word is a symbol this explains the fact that in cases where men are deprived of one or the other of these senses from birth the blind are more intelligent than the deaf and dumb chapter two we have already treated of the function of the several special senses writers nowadays attempt to correlate the senses with the physical elements as found in the bodily members in which the sense organs have their natural development with the fifth sense they are hard pressed not finding it easy to pair five senses with four elements all of them agree in regarding vision as connected with fire on account of a certain phenomenon whose nature they misunderstand viz when the eye is pressed and moved it seems to scintillate but this takes place in the dark or when the eyelids are shut in which case darkness is produced and there is also another difficulty here for if it is impossible for a perceiving and seeing subject to be unconscious of a seen object then the eye must necessarily see itself why then does this not take place when the eye is at rest the explanation of this phenomenon as well as the solution of the entire difficulty and of the apparent fact that vision is fire is to be found in the following considerations it is the nature of smooth surfaces to shine in the darkness although they produce no light now we observe that the dark central portion of the eye has a smooth surface this becomes apparent when the eye is moved because the single organ is thereby made double an effect which is produced by the rapidity of the motion in this way the seeing organ and the seen object appear to be different for the same reason also this effect fails to be produced when the motion is not rapid and does not take place in the dark 
for it is in a medium of darkness that a smooth surface naturally shines as we see in the case of the heads of certain fishes and in the juice of the cuttlefish the consequence is that when the eye is moved slowly the seeing organ and seen object do not appear to be at once unitary and dual when on the other hand the movement is rapid the eye sees itself as in the reflection of a mirror now if vision were fire as empedocles declares and as we read in the timaeus and if seeing resulted from the passage of light out of the eye as from a lamp the question arises why is it that we do not see in the dark also to say as the timaeus does that the light when it passes out from the eye is extinguished in the darkness is a totally empty assertion for what is meant by an extinction of light the warm and the dry it is true are nullified by the moist and the cold as one sees in the case of a coal-fire or a flame but neither of these has anything to do with light if however they are attributes of light but are concealed from us owing to their subtle presence then light ought to be extinguished in the day during rain and darkness should increase in frosty weather flame and ignited bodies are so affected but nothing of the sort takes place in the case of light empedocles appears to hold the view that vision results from the eyes radiating light as we said before his own words at any rate are as follows Quote, as a man taking thought for his journey a lantern prepares whose flame flashes light through the blustering night as he passes and shudders he fastens defence from winds to scatter the breath of the blowing blasts while the light pierces through by its fineness and gleams over the threshold unfailing so of old fire elemental was fixed in membranes and suffused the round pupil held in thin tissues a check to the water while the fire pierces through by its fineness sometimes he gives the above explanation of vision and at other times he explains it by means of emanations from visible objects democritus says that vision is due to water and in this he is right but he is wrong in thinking that it consists in reflection for reflection is produced because the eye is a smooth surface vision however does not take place in this smooth surface but in the seeing subject now the condition to which he refers is only a reflection of light he has however as i think no clear idea whatever concerning the general nature of images and reflection it is also strange that it never occurs to him to raise the question why it is that the eye alone sees while no other object in which images are reflected has vision his statement that vision partakes of the nature of water is true but vision is not due to the fact that the eye is water but to the fact that it is transparent which characteristic it has also in common with the air water however is easier to fix and is thicker than air and it is for this reason that the eye and its pupil are composed of water this can be proved also from actual facts when the eyes are destroyed water is seen to flow out of them and even in their quite embryonic stage the eyes are exceedingly limpid and brilliant 
further the white of the eye in sanguineous animals is fat and oily which serves the purpose of keeping the humid element from congealing consequently the eye can resist cold better than any other organ of the body no one ever experienced the sensation of cold in the interior of the eye the eyes of bloodless animals are covered with a hard skin which furnishes protection the theory is altogether irrational which makes vision consist as some hold in a sort of radiation and regards this radiation of something from the eye as extending to the stars or as extending to some point and there affecting a combination with the object it would be better to assume that this combination of the eye with its object were in the eye's original nature but even this is nonsense for what is one to understand by this combination of light with light or how is such a thing to take place for nothing combines in a haphazard way with anything else further how can the internal light combine with an external one for between them is the intervening membrane regarding the fact that there is no vision without light we have spoken elsewhere but whether the intervening medium between the visible object and the eye is light or air it is in any case the motion through this medium that produces sight and it is reasonable to regard the interior of the eye as composed of water for water is diaphanous and as nothing external is seen without light the same thing applies to the internal the internal also must therefore be diaphanous since this diaphanous is not air it must be water for the soul or the perceptive power of the soul is not found on the eye's surface but evidently within consequently the eye's interior must be diaphanous and sensitive to light and this we can see empirically for cases have happened in war where persons have received such a blow across the temples that the ocular conduits were severed and darkness seemed to ensue just as when a lamp is put out and this is due to the fact that the diaphanous i e the pupil as we call it was cut off as in the snuffing of a lamp if therefore this takes place in some such way as we describe it is evidently necessary to render an explanation of this kind and to correlate each sense organ with one of the elements viz the seeing power of the eye we must derive from water the sense for sound from the air and smell we must associate with fire for the organ of smell is potentially what smell itself is actually the sensible object stimulates the sensation into actuality and consequently the latter must have an antecedent potential existence smell is a smoke-like exhalation and this is derived from fire it is for this reason too that the organ of smell is especially assigned to the environment of the brain for the material substrate of cold is potentially warm and the same explanation holds good for the development of the eye it is formed from a part of the brain for the brain is the moistest and coolest member of the body the organ of touch is derived from the element earth and taste is a form of touch consequently the organs of these two senses taste and touch are found to conduct towards the heart the heart occupies a counterposition to the brain 
and is the warmest member of the body regarding the sense organs of the body let the above determination suffice end of chapter two recording in memory of mitchell edwards